What's the scoop around the NBA? Let's find out with the Scoop on Hoops NBA podcast. This is your host, Cody Mallory, back with another episode of the Scoop on Hoops NBA podcast. I am once again joined by my co-host, Joe Farrow. How's your holiday weekend been so far, man? It's been fun, been fun. A typical Memorial Day weekend, a whole lot of uh, boozing activities, so it was, it was a good time. Uh, <laughs> it's been a good time, and we're recording this right before Game 7, which I am incredibly excited about, so uh, really good weekend overall. How was yours? Yeah, it was crazy. I had a bunch of family here. Uh, my nephew got baptized, the godfather, but we're past that, and I'm ready to focus on basketball again. Yeah, me too, for sure. I can't wait. So, before, um, like you mentioned, obviously the main topic is going to be a game seven that I don't think either of us thought we were going to get based on how the conference finals started. But then Boston Celtics, once again in elimination games, were incredible like they were against Philly. But before we do that, let's go quickly. Um, what's the scoop and go around the NBA? So to start, I just want to start with some rumors on um, potential rule changes in the league. So on May 25th, Shams Tarania tweeted, the NBA's competition committee is discussing potential of an in-game penalty for flops that would result in technical free throw. Trial is possible at the Summer League in July. I think a lot of us have been frustrated with flopping, especially in the playoffs, regular season. Um I mean, soccer has kind of done something like this, adding a yellow card. Um, I think it's a good idea, Joe. My main thing is it can't be, like, up to the discretion of every single individual ref. It has to be something that, like, there's a committee that's watching the game that decides if it's flopping or not flopping so that it's consistent. Yeah, I absolutely agree. It has to be, like, clear, like, drawn guidelines for what – even is considered like the flop to an extent where like you should be awarded that technical free throw. Um, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how they do it because if it's up to the discretion of like each individual ref, that's going to probably be a mess. But I like the idea in general for sure. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, even like we mentioned briefly game seven tonight, Celtics heat, like the officiating crew was announced and, and the game hasn't even started yet, and they're already the main discussion on social media. Uh, from Ball Don't Lie, they tweeted out the Heat were combined 0-10 in games ref by Tony Brothers and Scott Foster during the regular season, where the Celtics were 7-2. and And, of course, Tony Brothers and Scott Foster are both part of the referee crew for tonight in Game 7. So it's like the refs are already the main discussion for the game tonight, and the game hasn't even started yet. Yeah, anytime Scott Foster's name is brought up, <laughs> Twitter goes nuts. Regardless, whoever, like I'm sure, I'm sure Celtics fans are like each side. Like nobody really wants Scott Foster refereeing their game because he's just like the NBA scapegoat when it comes to refereeing. After the right. whole Chris Paul record came up against him, kind of thing. So I don't personally think he's that bad of a ref, but people will, people will uh, uh, take the media narrative and. And run, and run with it. So there's that, I guess. Yeah, you have um, – I've seen a lot of Celtics fans complaining about Tony Brothers, a lot of Heat fans complaining about Scott Foster. So, like, they're going to complain, I guess. 
get flopping out of the game is the main goal. I agree with that. Um, you see these guys, Joel Embiid, that's like, like seven feet tall, that's getting pushed over by a guard, and it's like it shouldn't be happening. Um, it could be a slippery slope to get there, but that's the ultimate goal. I think we both agree with it. Yeah. Next from Crispy Haynes, the NBA is in serious discussions on awarding teams a second and final challenge if their first challenge is ruled successful. I also think this is common sense. Like, uh-huh. they're making a challenge. They obviously got it right, which means the refs are wrong. Like, they should get another one. Common I, sense, in my opinion. Yeah, especially because, like, when you look at the format that the MLB uses, um, I think the NFL does it as well. If you have a successful challenge, yeah. keep the your NFL, challenge. NFL does it too, yep. Yeah, like, you, if you have a successful challenge, you should be awarded another one. It's like, it's dumb that coaches only have one challenge to use and then within the last two minutes of the game you're not allowed to use it like so it's like you like you have just like a certain window that you could only use one and they're trying to be very strategic about it and then like usually it comes within like the last like eight minutes in the fourth quarter it's like if there's a call like early in a game now where where say for example marcus smart picks up his third foul in the second quarter and you want to challenge that like now that'll like allow coaches to save some of their guys from potential foul trouble if they really believe that the call was incorrect. So I think it's a good move to do it. I don't know why it was a like a one challenge limit to begin with, but I think it would definitely be another good move. I think they were afraid of it slowing down the games too much. It was their main concern. I know that's what everyone's concern was when they even allowed challenges. But it's like it's it's common sense. I think it's gonna be done. It should be added as soon as next season. It's not something they have to test, like with the flopping thing. It's just yeah. simply you won the challenge, you get another challenge. Like it's not difficult. They don't have to test it anywhere. It should be implemented as soon as next season. Absolutely. Um, before we dive into some player rumors, I just want to talk about uh coaching real quick. Obviously, the Milwaukee Bucks are the first team in the coaching carousel to hire a coach surprisingly or not surprisingly i mean their search was always the most wide open i think we agreed on they hired toronto raptors former assistant adrian griffin um nick nurse notingly was reported to have pulled out of the process and the bucks were deciding between adrian griffin who they ultimately hired and golden state assistant former nets head coach kenny atkinson so, I mean, there's a lot to unpack here. Obviously, the Bucks got their guy. I know they reported that Giannis was very involved in the decision-making. And then Nick Nurse pulling out. Could he have his sights set on Phoenix, Joe? That's definitely a, a good question, especially, like, if Giannis was involved in the process and maybe he was speaking to Giannis and they weren't seeing, like, eye-to-eye on certain uh, certain decisions coaching-wise or, like, or, like, maybe his vision for the team – that may be a reason why he pulled out. Maybe he just didn't think it was going to be a good fit, or he just wants to coach the the probably better team on paper so far when you look at like what the probabilities are for next season in the Phoenix Suns when you know you're going into that season with money to be able to make trade, like with with contracts that are able uh, to make up money for big trades. And and you have Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. So that I wouldn't blame I wouldn't blame Nick Nurse for that at all. Yeah, 100%. I, I do think Nick Nurse is ultimately going to end up on the Suns, but as that happens, we will report 
right, let's just really quickly fly through some player rumors. I want to mainly focus on Game 7, which is being played later tonight in Boston. Um, first, from The Athletic, the Dallas Mavericks are not planning on helping Kyrie Irving in any potential sign and trade. Um, I know he's been heavily linked to the Lakers ever since last offseason when Kyrie was still in Brooklyn when he ultimately opted into his player option. I think the Mavericks have made it clear by leaking they're not interested in a D'Angelo Russell sign and trade. They would rather lose Kyrie than get for nothing than get D'Angelo Russell for him. Yeah. Because I, I don't, I personally don't think that D'Lo would play that well next to Luca. I don't think that that's like a good a good pairing in a backcourt. Like, and then again, neither was Kyrie Irving from the jump. But, I was gonna say I don't think Kyrie and Luca are a good pairing yeah, either. No, like, but it's not. But um, <laughs> so they had a. It, it's not really shocking. It, I, and but like in reality, what teams are gonna even have the cap flexibility to sign Kyrie Irving? Like maybe Houston, and then maybe some other teams that don't look as promising for next season. Not... I just want to say, Joe, this was Kyrie's problem last year, too. And well, why yeah, that's why he opted in. Mm-hmm. Right. He ultimately, it's not that there wasn't so much a market for him, but there's just not a lot of teams with cap space, um, especially contending teams that could maybe make moves to contend. And then you have the new CBA, which complicates it even more. Like, it's damn near impossible to have three max players now. And that's that's Kyrie's problem. Yeah, absolutely. Like like we were saying, like there was not that there wasn't a market because there were teams that would have been interested um if they had the cap space, but like they there was no contending team that would have been able to just straight up pay him. You know, so it's like and he that was his whole issue with why he wanted to leave the Nets. He wasn't getting paid. So that it's not entire it's it's definitely gonna be an interesting market for Kyrie Irving once again. We'll see who has the money. But it's it looks like it doesn't seem like he's going to be back in Dallas, unless that's the only team that's yeah. Unless that's the only team that's able to actually pay him. Right. I mean, I I've learned to just never make any predictions when it comes to Kyrie Irving, so I'm not even going to try to guess where he's going to land. Yep. Me. But um, let's let's jump to Pascal Siakam real quick. Um. From Jake Weinbach, um, I believe, hopefully I said that right. He works for Behind the Bucks and Hoops Habit. Um, He's reported that, once again, the Raptors are expected to listen to trades for Pascal Siakam. Um, He said a list of suitors could include Portland, which makes sense if they decide to keep Dame, they can maybe flip that pick for him. Uh, Houston, which also makes sense if they get James Harden and they're trying to compete. The Dallas Mavericks, who knows what Dallas is going to do with Kyrie. The Atlanta Hawks, who always seem to try to improve by getting big-name players and it never works out. And the Brooklyn Nets, who are looking to try to build around Mikel Bridges. Maybe Nick Claxton. Would Nick Claxton have to be involved in that trade? Um, it should be noted that Siakam is, I think he's 29, about to be 30 going into this year. And he is entering the final year of his contract. So his value is not like astronomical because it could just be a rental for a guy that's going to be 30 years old. Yeah, he, he definitely has an interesting market just because of where he has a where he's at in age and contract status. Like he has to have a really good year this year, continue to perform well to get another bag. But he, mm-hmm. it it's 
that's another one where it's really hard to gauge the value in a trade for him. Like he's probably like the Kyrie Irving trade might be a similar value for um, Pascal Siakam, where it's like two like above average role players and two first round picks maybe, or one first round pick kind of thing. But it, it's definitely going to be interesting to yep. see what he moves and he's definitely going to be in a prove it year. So, uh, and those teams all kind of do make sense for him. Um, I would like to see him on any of those teams personally. Yeah. I, I think he's got to go to Toronto. I know we've mentioned it before. They just have like a mess of players that all kind of do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And it just isn't working out there. So I think, I mean, I'm, I don't know if he wants out, but I think as an NBA fan, you want to see him play somewhere where he can compete. Cause he's a all-star caliber player. Like he's no scrub. Absolutely. And it's um, just all right. Like we and said, then, just in a weird spot when it comes to age and contract situation. So it's like it's it's certainly going to be an interesting one. And he doesn't want to end up in a situation like how Kyrie is, where it's like, what's your market once if you hit free agency rather than like get to a team that you would like to play for now and extend it rather than rather than hit the open market and have like rarely, barely anybody's going to have the money to pay you. 100%. And then let's real quickly – Couple rumors on two Bulls players. First, from NBC Sports, people around the league are not expecting Zach Levine to finish his five-year contract with the Chicago Bulls. I know there was rumors about the Bulls at deadline that they were going to maybe blow it up. Ultimately, they decided to not blow up Levine, DeRozan, Vukovic, etc. And they ended up missing the playoffs, so that backfired. And then I, I don't even want to say this because, like. This is fucked up, in my opinion, this rumor report um, from Dan Bernstein. The Bulls privately believe that Lonzo Ball won't ever play again. That's sad, man. (laughs) It is sad because, like, Lonzo, I mean, he was very highly regarded as one of the Ball brothers. He's only 25. Like, he's kind of remade himself as like a lockdown defender like his offensive game was coming along and he's only 25 so to to hear and again I don't know how accurate it is but to hear that the team he plays for doesn't think he's ever going to play again that just doesn't sit right with me something like that should not get leaked and I hope it's made up yeah and like the privately believe why are you leaking it then <laughs> like right yeah and it's coming that. from like a reputable source like he's got seventy thousand followers on twitter like he's not just some guy that made a random twitter account to spew bullshit that has like 10 yeah. followers like he's a legit source yeah so it's i hope that's not the case because lonzo once he got through those like early years when he was in la and there were massive expectations on him and he wasn't like performing at the level that obviously in that big market, those type of that the Laker fans really wanted, he rebranded himself. And uh, he, like he went to new Orleans in the Anthony Davis trade. He, he worked himself into being a lockdown defender and was improving his shooting year by year was still able to play, make with the best of them. And he got, and then he gets his contract from Chicago. He's there. What he only played like half a season in Chicago, right. Or like a year and a half. And then he, he's been hurt and, and now he's on what, like his third like knee surgery or whatever it is, like in a like in a row, 
it's tough and I, I hope he gets to play again because he became one of those players that are just very fun to watch. They do all the little things to, they make winning plays and it, it's going to be sad if, if uh, Lonzo can't play. And then to the, to the Zach Levine note, I don't really think that's shocking. Um, especially if they're in a situation where if Lonzo isn't going to be coming back, DeMar DeRozan's only getting older. Vucevic is about to be a free agent after next season. Uh, and then Zach Levine is just on this max contract. And when you have a, like, it wouldn't be shocking if they just try to recoup some value for Zach Levine, um, especially with just like the way things, the pieces seem to be falling in Chicago. So I think a lot of it does rely on Lonzo Ball's health. Yeah. Yeah. And um, just to go back to Lonzo. So he didn't play it all this past year. So he played 35 games during the 2021 2022 season for the Bulls. He has not played since. Um, so hopefully he's back on the court. I think he's had, yeah, like you said, he's had like three procedures now. It just sucks when you see a young, promising player. I mean, he's not to, like, the Derrick Rose level of player. But, I mean, it kind of reminds me of Derrick Rose, who ultimately ended up coming back, but he was never the same player he was pre-injury. So, hopefully that's not the case with Lonzo. Brandon Roy might be a better example. Yeah, Brandon Roy. That's another one. Um, All right. Let's dive into Game 7. Like I said, I don't think anyone thought we were going to make it this far, given – where we were the last time we talked, the Lakers just got swept by Denver. Obviously, the Lakers were down 3-0. Um, and then Miami was up 3-0 on Boston. Boston looked like they quit. They got blown out in game three. And from Andy Slater, according to FAA records, the Miami Heat have a flight scheduled for Denver, not Miami after the game tonight. <laughs> And it's like <laughs> they, might, they, they might have some trouble getting home in that case. <laughs> I feel like both teams have been like trash talking and like being cocky all series. Like you hear, remember Jalen Brown being like, oh, don't let us get one. Oh, they let us get one. Don't let us get two. Like, and I just want to say like teams that have gone down 3-0 in the NBA playoffs are 0-150 for winning the series. Yeah, the Celtics I, are only the the Celtics are only the fourth team, Joe, to actually make it to a game seven, and all three of those other teams lost. Now I, I do want to say real quick before you go, the Celtics are the first team that are the higher seed to make it to a game seven, so they would be the only team that's playing at home. Okay, first off, I was just reading that uh, Heat are playing to fly to Denver tweet. And the top reply under it says Denver does connecting flights to Cancun with a question mark. Thought that was <laughs> <laughs> that was very funny. But uh, <laughs> the um the I believe there's another stat. I think um there was out of those, what'd you say it was 156? I believe only like 45 around that number even got it even made it to game six after that. So that's yeah. That was an accomplishment in and of itself, but it's like now that the Celtics have played their brand of basketball, coming back after going down 3-0, and we've seen struggle struggle games from Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo like every single game, pretty much. Um, it's like, bro, it's this, it's the Celtics series to lose at this point. Like the momentum is fully in their favor. Last, like once they once they got it back to Game Six, 
they were they were in the same situation as they were in against Philly. Down 3-2, had to go into Philly, get a big win, then come back to Boston. And last time, Tatum put up 51, and they won by, like, 30 points. So it's like the the NBA script writers are doing some real good work. I tell you, I thought I thought they would have. <laughs> I thought they were going to be on strike with the rest of the writers, but no, they are not taking any time off. They are absolutely killing it. Uh, <laughs> and it's again, I think it's the Celtics game to lose. It will not shock me if we get one of those Jimmy Butler games tonight where he is just absolutely absurd. And there's just literally nothing you can do to stop him. But I, a lot of this game for the Miami Heat hinges on Bam Adebayo. He has uh, been very subpar in these last three games that they lost. Um, offensively, I put out a tweet. I was like, Bam Adebayo sure does get a lot of touches for somebody who literally does nothing with the ball every time it's in his hands. And he just he doesn't look to attack. He doesn't look to do anything but dump the ball off and roll. And then he stops his roll halfway to the rim. It's – I don't know. A lot of they need a big Bam Adebayo game, in my opinion, to be able to, to be able to move on and get and actually catch that flight to Denver. <laughs> yeah, I mean, real quick, there's a lot to unpack there. What you just said, but I just got a <laughs> notification from at Real GM on Twitter. Um, there are reports that Bob Myers is looking to take a break from the NBA, and that he is poised to leave Golden State later this week. With If this does happen, they go on to report, Golden State is expected to promote Mike Dunleavy Jr. to take over the team's basketball operations. So obviously Bob Myers is widely regarded as one of the top, 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 top executives in the NBA, so that would be huge if he leaves. Yeah, and but, it's, I wonder if this is like uh... – of Mike D'Antoni yeah I want to I want to take a break and then like six months in the next season he takes a job elsewhere but uh, <laughs> like um, but yeah I don't I don't know that that's huge if Golden State loses him now I'm sure Mike Dunleavy is a guy who has like been like kind of like a right-hand man of sorts probably to Bob Myers throughout this so he probably knows yep. like the ropes and like it probably shouldn't be that big of a drop off but uh, uh, Bob Myers is incredible at his job um obviously you see he created uh, a a literal dynasty so it's yeah he's widely regarded as one of the top executives if not the top executive in the nba for a reason and that's huge if he leaves regardless of of who starts running it after him yeah if he leaves and just takes a break and wants to come back at some point there is going to be a ton of teams who are interested in him but anyways let's get back to boston so i know you were saying like it's got to be a bam game a jimmy game i agree like they've gotten all the help they could have gotten from their role players and the saying goes and it's like proven by history role players don't perform as well on the road in the playoffs typically they just don't um they don't shoot as well they're not sleeping in their own bed they're worrying about their flight to another city apparently Uh, but yeah, Cancun, their vacation. The Stars have to be the one to win in a closeout game. We've seen Jason Tatum do it. Like, he went insane against Philly in game six those last three minutes, last four minutes, when he was largely horrible for the entire game, which was an elimination game. And then we saw him do it in game seven in Boston when he dropped, I think it was 51. And it's like, we know Jason Tatum is going to do it. 
for the most part. Tatum has been incredible this playoffs, especially when the Celtics' backs are up against the wall in elimination game. It's like we got to see it from Jimmy and Bam. And I know Jimmy is going to perform. Like, I, I'm not worried about Jimmy. He's been a little passive these last couple of games, in my opinion. I know he took 21 shots last game, which is a lot, but he only went five for 21. So he's obviously got to shoot the ball better. Um, but the role players, like, they've been incredible. It's got to be the stars. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, they have gotten a lot of help. Like, they really have gotten everything you could ask for. Um, and the stars have been struggling. Like, Duncan Robinson, once Tyler Hero went down, he stepped up. He's been good. Gabe Vincent's been really good. Caleb Martin has been really good. Um, you couldn't really ask for more from them. It's just a lot of it. Like, Jimmy Butler last game, he finished with, like, over 20. I know that because I bet on it. And uh, – and like, <laughs> You degenerate. Yeah, you're right. But Bam, Bam hasn't had good games whatsoever. Like, he's not looking to score at any point. It's always just, like, him trying to dump off, roll to the rim, not doing nothing else after that. Um, but he has the ability. Yeah, Bam, Bam had 11 points. Game yeah, believe, in Miami, which believe me, I know. I know. <laughs> what you bet on him too, and you lost, Joe? Yes, he was the one leg that didn't hit. That's why you got this anti Bam agenda. Well, no, but in general, but like, yeah, because <laughs> I need, him, yeah, that's why, but also I need him to get 15. It, that's why, that's why it's more of a sticking point for me right now. But in reality, that's really what it is. You need your stars, <laughs> to perform, you, need your, you need your stars to perform, and he just wasn't doing that. And it's like Jimmy needs help. He can't do it alone, clearly, because Jimmy's having his own struggles. So uh, it's, again, they need the stars to perform well. We've seen Tatum do it. We've seen Jalen Brown do it. And Jalen Brown said, he said, don't let us get one. And they let him get one, and now we're in game seven. So so it's Jalen Brown's yeah. hungry. Jalen Brown's hungry. Tatum knows what to do. Tatum just did it literally like a week and a half ago. So it's – it's going to be a scary sight for Miami on the way on their connecting flight from Denver to Cancun. If they don't have the guys show up. Joe, I just want to say, obviously the Celtics won last game, 104, 103, low scoring game, back and forth. Actually the Celtics almost blew that shit. Like they blew a huge lead. They had a 10 Derek White saved their ass. They blew a 10 point lead. Derek White saved their ass with 0.1 left. Yeah. Crazy. But I'm looking at the stats a little closer. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown combined over 12 from three. Yep. The Celtics as a team were seven of 35. They shot 20% from three, whereas the Miami Heat were 14 of 30. And the Celtics still won the game in Miami, which yep. leads me to believe, like what I said on the second second episode we did, the Miami Heat have a zero percent chance at beating the Boston Celtics. We're back, Joe. We are back. <laughs> yeah. the Cel- I hate the Celtics. I want to preface it with that. Like I can't stand Boston sports. I know I'm a Red Sox fan, but I hate the Patriots. You I hate the Connecticut. Celtics. <laughs> Just preface that also. Yeah, yeah. I live in Connecticut. Live in Connecticut. <laughs> and you still hate Boston sports. But it's like <laughs> They are making me look – they got swept, man. And I said that he have no chance of being them. I would look like a goddamn fool. Yeah. They're saving but you. They are saving you. I think, I think, I think we're going to see history tonight. The Celtics are seven-and-a-half-point favorites. Obviously, the game is in Boston. They have all the momentum in the world. They've won three straight now after Miami won the first three. 
The Celtics shot like shit last game in Miami in a closeout game for the Heat, knowing they'd have to go back to Boston if they lost. And the Celtics still scrapped their way to win after, like you said, they were up, what, 10 with like two and a half minutes left and they blew yeah. it. And then they still ended up winning. Like it just seems like the Miami Heat, and I think everyone would agree before game six, everyone kind of felt like the Heat needed game six to win this series. Like going back to Boston, the crowd in Boston is going to be rocking. I hate the Celtics. I hate Boston sports, but their crowd is going to be absolutely rocking in game seven. They were in game five. And it's like, I think the Heat blew their chance to go to the finals. Yeah, and I mean, Eric Spolstra also made a guarantee. So, thank, uh, shout out Charles Barkley. But he said, um, I don't know how we're going to get this done, but we're going to go up there and we're going to get it done. He said that right after game six. But um, should've, you should have got it done at home, my friend. <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> yeah, or maybe one of the other three games when you could have closed them out. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely absurd that we're at this point. Derek White with one of the most incredible basketball plays, instincts and yeah. absolute skill and presence of presence of mind to know how much time, like how quickly you have to get the ball out of your hands on that tip. And one of the most incredible plays literally I have ever seen in my life. Um, and one of the most wild endings to ever watch. Derek White put the team on his back right last second. Nobody in the arena thought he got it off. But he did, and he's the reason that we're here right now. Derek White, just one of those guys who always shows up when you need him kind of thing. We love players like that. And, um, man, like, tonight's going to be fun. It's going to be a very fun – I just hope it's a good game for the most part. I don't want to see a blowout in game seven. Um, I want it to go down to the wire. Um, And also just, like, Derek White, that that, uh, play, probably second second best playoff – uh, like ending I've ever seen in my life behind only the Kawhi shot in Philadelphia, but man, mm-hmm. I was just gonna I was just gonna mention the Kawhi shot. It, uh, it was very eerily like eerie like same feeling in the arena like stunned silent, absolutely insane. Yeah, I mean Derek White's been the Celtics' most consistent player this entire series. Like he's been incredible defending Jimmy Butler when he's been on Jimmy Butler. He's really been incredible defending the entire postseason, but he's been really good on Butler. He's been shooting the ball well. Really the only one on the Celtics who's consistently shot the ball well all series. And then obviously the tip-in to save their season. And Joe, I do just want to mention real quick, you said knowing how much time. I think it's a little sus that there was three minutes on the clock because – or not, sorry, three seconds because I think it should have been more closer to like 2.1 based on replays and everything, and it was at 2.1, and then they changed it to 3. I'm not sure how or why, but obviously, given the fact that he kept it in literally at the buzzer, that was huge to add that 0.9 seconds to the clock. I told you, the script writers took no days off. (laughs) In all all seriousness, they probably went back and looked, and like when the initial contact started, it was at 3 seconds flat, probably. But I, mean, like, I don't know, man. I mean, that's that's the justification the NBA would give. I've watched the replay like twenty five times, and last I think it was last year it was Max Struess. They said his foot was out of bounds when his heel was clearly above the line. Yeah, and the Heat got screwed because of that, and now the Heat are getting screwed. I think they got screwed with the clock personally. Like I said, I hate Boston, and I think that. 
Yeah. Also, the Heat, the Heat screwed the Heat by not winning one of the other two games beforehand, and they have a chance. Yeah. They have a That's chance fair. to make it up tonight too. So I mean, like, I won't complain about it. We got a game seven after being down three zero. So I'm um, I'm excited for it. we we would have if look think about it the Heat if the Heat went out already we would have had to wait what was it eleven days until the final started so, so the, the that Celtics, is true Celtics the Celtics are saving our asses a little bit throughout this whole process so that's 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 I, I saw a tweet I can't remember exactly what it was but it was like all basketball fans should be like thankful the Celtics. They saved your favorite podcast from asking, like, if, if a team from a, not the 90s would be, like, a team from the 2010s or whatever, <laughs> just because yeah. there was so much time in between. Yep. <laughs> there was so much time. Like, I don't – we would have had to turn this into, like, a hockey podcast throughout the uh, <laughs> throughout the 10 days from what was going on. I, I wouldn't have much to talk with hockey. I mean, we could me. at least go baseball, Joe. Come on. Not me either. I mean, playoff hockey. <laughs> but <laughs> – I don't watch any hockey. I can't stand hockey, personally. Like the one major American sport that I I don't even think I couldn't name five current players in the NHL. <laughs> I could, I definitely could have could at least five, but yeah, it's pushing it. That's my lack of NHL. But back to basketball. So game seven tonight in Boston, eight thirty. Celtics are seven and a half point favorites. I feel like we've seen this before. Game seven. Boston, Miami, ring any bells, Joe? Like, have we seen this recently? Uh, I'm thinking we have. <laughs> so, I mean, I think – I mean, I'm picking the Celtics. I think the Celtics are going to win big. Yeah. I think the only chance the Miami Heat have is if their role players shoot the lights out of the ball because I think the Celtics are just going to send doubles at Jimmy Butler, which they did earlier in the – the um, series and honestly it wasn't working because they were just hitting shooters and the shooters were knocking down so I mean that's that's the main thing and it's like the Heat if Jimmy Butler goes for like 12 or 14 in the first quarter then he's probably going for 40 and that's probably their best chance of winning yeah Com- I'm completely on the same page as you it's playoff Jimmy just carrying the Heat Literally, and like I said that early, I said this earlier in the episode. It's like you need a good game. You need like a very good game from from Bam. You need like twenty and ten from him, and you need Jimmy Butler to go for thirty five, and then just hope that somebody else can can knock down some shots, and that's pretty much all you could ask for. Yeah, and I think that's asking for a lot. So I'm rolling with the Boston Celtics and Jason yep. Tatum. Yep. Which, by the way. I think Boston and Denver will be a much better series than Miami and Denver. Yes. That's even that, though this has been a great run by my Yeah, that, that's a great run by Miami. Yeah. I don't want to like minimize anything that they've done. But they've haven't really run into a buzzsaw like the Denver Nuggets yet. On paper, I would say that's like the their biggest underdog would be against the Nuggets. Obviously, the Knicks are not on the level as the Nuggets. The Celtics have been inconsistent all postseason. The Bucks lost Giannis early. The Nuggets are really good. And I think Boston has the talent to match up with them and make that a good series. I still think the Nuggets would be favored just because Boston has been so inconsistent. But I think from a pure basketball perspective, Celtics-Nuggets would be a better series than Heat-Nuggets. 
Yeah, I'm completely on the same page. That's why I was hoping that the Celtics would come back the entire series. <laughs> I'm like, I just I want to see yeah. that matchup in the finals rather than the Heat get there because I feel like that the that the Nuggets would absolutely dog walk the Heat. But we've said that for, <laughs> we've said that through every series so far, and the Heat have made it a series. <laughs> whoa, 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 Joe! I did not say that in the Knicks series. I want to put that out there. Oh no, no, no! Yeah, I yeah. said it for the Bucks and the Heat, but not for the Knicks. Yeah, yeah, I'm, um, I'm with you. <laughs> so, I mean, Joe, I just want to say, like, we launched our own NBA podcast. Obviously, the Scoop on Hoops, what, two weeks ago now, roughly? Week and a half, two weeks, something like that. And we might have NBA history within the first two weeks of launching our podcast, which is pretty crazy to think about. It is really crazy to think about, honestly. <laughs> which would obviously be Boston being the first NBA team to ever come back from being down 3-0. Again, current records for the series are once an NBA team falls down 3-0, their record is zero wins for the series and 150 losses. So the Celtics are looking to make that 1 and 150 tonight. The game is once again at 8.30 in Boston. Anything we missed, Joe? I think we covered all of it. I'm just hyped to watch this game tonight, truthfully. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm very excited. I actually had to record game six the second half because i had to be up incredibly early on sunday to go to church again so i won't be recording this one i will definitely be watching it live and i am also very excited from like a neutral fan perspective there's nothing better than a game seven in the NBA. if you're a fan of one of the teams a game seven blows there's nothing more nerve-wracking but yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, but if you don't care who wins the game, and like like I said, I want the Celtics to win just for the finals to be better, in my opinion. But I don't really care who wins tonight. I don't really care who wins tonight. If Miami wins, cool. If Boston wins, cool. Like I don't really care either way. So let's just play the game, and let's wrap up here, Joe. I'm in with you. Thank you for listening to the Scoop on Hoops NBA podcast. Please subscribe, like, comment, and share. We greatly appreciate all the support. Until next time, bye bye